Before we hop into today's episode of the podcast, I want to tell you guys about someone I've been partnering with over the past few months. The name of the company is 2 Before, and if you guys are looking to take your training to the next level, 2 Before is the right product for you. 2 Before is blackcurrant powder, and blackcurrants are antioxidant berries grown in New Zealand. Studies have shown that consuming them regularly improves endurance by increasing blood flow and removing lactic acid. It's used by professional running team 10 Man Elite, as well as teams in the NFL, NBA, and the NCAA. There was one study that showed that using two before consistently can improve your athletic performance by 4.6%. And so as I look to close out this fall on a high note with my training, as well as get in some really quality training this winter, two before is going to become a staple pre-run, pre-workout. I absolutely love this stuff. I've worked with two before for a long time. For this reason, it's become a staple in my daily training and life routine. Because of that, you guys can get 30% off at two before with code the running effect 30. Not only does this get you guys 30% off, but also free shipping. And I've left a link in the show notes. Again, highly recommend this product. And I definitely recommend at least trying it out once and seeing if it works for you. Talking about 2023 this past year, it feels weird to say mm-hmm. last year. Um, I know. I know. It's so new into the I new know. year. Um, so that specific race, before we get into it, uh, I was actually in the stadium. It was my first U.S. Champs. It was amazing. So oh, fun sweet. to see and be a part of. But uh, so I actually remember this very, very well. So much tension on the line. Uh, and there was like, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't a false start, but someone got a green card for like yeah. something. And I remember rewatching it today. Like you can see you were so ready to get after it. How do you maintain your composure where that actually could be the difference between, you know, (laughs) first and last uh, because you were so you looked so ready. Yeah. And like you couldn't even see yourself get off the blocks. (laughs) And then you had to like resituate yourself. What's the process in your mind? That kind of stuff is the worst because, yeah, so much goes into that and like balancing your energy, especially for a quick sprint race <laughs> like everything has to be so perfect and you have to be so focused and when that happens you're just like oh my god here we go again <laughs> and it wasn't even a false start I think I think everyone was just like shaking yeah people were just twitching but like I mean especially in the blocks because you never know how long they're going to hold you and like you might not be used to it and then you're just like it's a hard it's a hard position to hold people don't realize that like <laughs> it takes a lot of strength but yeah, I mean, so much goes into that. So for me, I do a lot of just meditation work. That's just what I do in my my day-to-day. I do like five minutes in the morning. I incorporate it into my warm-up. I think it's really beneficial for athletes especially, but honestly anyone. It just keeps you like really focused. Um, it trains your brain to, to maintain that. Um, and so that's kind of what I do. But in those moments, I really – like, I balance my energy so precisely. Like, I don't even listen to music when I warm up because I don't even want to be, like, amped up during that time because mm. I'm trying to save it for, like, that one moment yeah. on the line. And so I'm just, like, very natural, like, very relaxed, balancing that energy all the way up until that point, like, the whole day. And then when I get to the line, that's when I'm, like, amping myself up. I'm like, getting ready. I'm like, all right, let's go. And then I just channel all that energy into that moment. And so, yeah, when you have a false start, it's like, all right, here we go. Again. Let's, let's <laughs> yeah, redo this yeah. whole thing. But, yeah, that's what it is. It's like, okay, like intense focus, focusing on maybe one cue that you're going to do when the gun goes off, and then all that energy goes into the race. We talked about the competitive nature of track and field, and I said we'd talk about in relation to pro running. As much as you're willing to elaborate, how, like, aggressive does it get in terms of, like, beef between people, <laughs> you thinking, like, I really want to beat this person, What's yeah. that kind of behind the scenes nature look like? Um, I think 
You know, everyone's different, but sprinters definitely have like their own egos. <laughs> it's part of it. And track is such a cutthroat sport because only one person can win. And it's really like man versus man. <laughs> like, it, like you're just on the line, literally against your competitors. And people use that figuratively for like every aspect of life. But in track, it's it's literal. And so it can be pretty intense. Um, we definitely have friendships like my teammates, the girls that I train with. Sometimes I'll race against them, but they're like my sisters and I love them. Um, but when I'm on the line, it's it's just really competitive. And I, I'm just that's all I'm thinking about is how I'm going to beat the next person. And sometimes those attitudes can like come off the track. And that happens. It happens like it kind of everywhere, everywhere in life. And, and that happens and it's fine. But I mean, I try to like focus on my own career in my own lane and keep my competitive energy like on the track but yeah I mean beefs happen <laughs> it, it, it is what it is you just gotta gotta roll with it <laughs> I have to ask again as much as you're willing to elaborate you don't have yeah. to if you don't want to uh how has Shakari shifted the game in terms of like the events she's in are never the same when she's in them in terms of just the energy <laughs> right. that's brought to the table um how do you handle that mixed with even like the spotlight People are still focusing on you, but like legitimately as a fan, you're like, what move is she going to like? Is she yeah. going to tear off her wig? Like, right, right. I mean, all sorts well, of crazy stuff. I mean, I think that's really I think it's fun. Like, I like following that kind of media stuff. And I think other people do, too. So I think it's like it's fun for the track world to have someone like that who can bring eyeballs to like every race. And honestly, like racing Shikari and being a rival of Shikari. I mean, it's brought like eyeballs to my career, too. So I think that's really fun to be a part of. And I mean, I, I have to commend her ability to have all of that and still compete. Because for a while, it was like, okay, there's a lot of, like, media attention going on around you. Like, that must be really hard. And it showed like, because you, you have to be able to balance all of that and not let it get to you and affect you on the track. And I think she's, like, kind of come back to that. And she came back and won, like, world championships despite all of that going on. So that shows, like, a lot of maturity. And I mean, it's, it's a lot. I mean, it, it's it's a lot of energy when she's around. I mean, it's a lot of, and that's kind of how I think that's how she fuels herself. She like fuels herself now off of that type of energy and that type of attention. And she needs to have like that competitive vibe with her rivals. Like if she needs to feel like she has some type of beef or like negative energy towards me to feel like she can beat me or win or that motivates her to win, then that's that's cool. And a lot of people do need that. You need like a, a reason. You need like something that's like, all right, I'm going to get that person. You need a lot of something to be Gabby right? Thomas. You need, <laughs> you need that edge. Exactly. So <laughs> like that's it. Um, I don't think I operate that way. Um, I don't think I could operate that way. Yeah. I don't think that it would just it would drive me insane or like it would make me a little too nervous because the way I operate is very like focused meditation myself. And that's just that works for me. And that gives me my edge. Um, and and maybe that's part of the tactic. Maybe part of it's like, all right, let's see if we can distract Gabby. Let's see. Let's see how many athletes we can distract with like the nonsense. And so the better like the best I can do is like <laughs> it hasn't worked yet. <laughs> shield out. Yeah. Shield yeah. out that nonsense. I mean, one thing. Yeah. Good luck beating me in a 200. But it, and it works. It, it works for some people. And so, I mean, I think it's cool. And. Yeah, I mean, there's beef. But. You are right about the eyeball thing because I looked <laughs> up that race this morning and on NBC Sports, I think is the channel it was on, the YouTube video has like 4.3 million views. Like for track, yeah, bonkers. Right? Like a lot of these playoff football games won't get that right? amount of views on the highlight. Um, right? 
all the more cool that you beat her and you won. And even though like she's the title, you still won. And now Um, I get the view. Yeah, I'm curious. (laughs) We need that. I'm curious. What are the call rooms like uh, specifically (laughs) in these situations? Because the call room is this kind of this is why I'm like excited for like things like Netflix, which we'll get into. But like rarely are there cameras in there. No one really knows what's said or what the vibe is like. Yeah. Every race is different. Sometimes they hold you for f- literally forever. Other times you just like check in and you're on the track. Uh, yeah. What is the tension like for yeah. like a U.S. championships, a world championships where everyone is in this small cubicle? It's crazy, right? It's crazy to think like, is there any, any other sport where you have to sit in like a small space with your competitors and just sit there for like 40 minutes facing each other? And like these are, it's like smaller than this room, like the (laughs) where you're at with these people and it's crazy but i it depends on the people um so i mean and and the race so the the higher intensity race like if we're in a world championship or olympic call room or like trials yeah it's it's intense like everyone is quiet almost everyone and it just kind of is what you have this respect for one another where you're like all right we know what we're about to go do so we don't need to talk if i'm in there with like my teammate we might talk a little bit you know hype each other up a bit and that's kind of it um and some personalities some people are a little more talkative um some people are yeah I mean talkative probably maybe tactics to like distract other athletes that might be a thing or some people might just be nervous chatter like that's also a thing um but yeah I mean it just depends on the personality and like the intensity of the race yeah i was (laughs) gonna ask you about the getting in the headpiece uh i heard on a different podcast cam cam haynes's podcast he interviewed matthew centrowitz their close friends and yeah centro i mean i love the guy like what he's done and running is awesome you know he won in 2016 which for a distance runner in the u.s insane yeah but he said in call rooms he would like to younger guys i think this is so brutal to younger guys he would say like he would either go like what's your pr in the eight or the four they would be like 149. And he would say, get ready to close in that today for like a 15 and walk away. Does anything like that happen in terms of sprinting where like people are oh trying to get gosh. in each other's heads? See, I think what's funny, I think the male sprinters have more of that type of like messing with each other like mentality, um, which I think is such a fun thing that I wish we could bring into women's sprinting more, which is why I say like, you know, all the Shakari stuff. I mean, it's it's not my style, but I, I think it's fun and I think it brings something to the sport. Um, Because I feel like they're doing that all the time. Like they're messing with each other. Like they go on like media days and these interviews and they're they're like messing with each other and poking fun. But as women in the sport, if we do that, I mean, you're like villainized immediately and people are like, oh, my God. But no, that kind of messing with with each other is not happening in the call room. I mean, that's not no one's (laughs) asking you questions like that. They're just not. And I, I wonder if that would get in anyone's head. I can't imagine any of the female sprinters that I race against right now, like who are in the final worlds of the Olympics, letting that kind of talk get to them. Mm. I just can't imagine. Maybe in like a semifinal or a prelim round, but I'm not about to mess with right. <laughs> some some new athlete who I know I'm sure. going to beat. Like I'm not sure. about to do that. <laughs> Whether it's Shakari or someone else, uh, are, are they like brain, are they like, ingrained on your brain during practice during the hard track workouts like do you ever use people like that as motivation to be like she's working really hard I know I gotta nail this last 300 rep or even in those boring moments that we were talking about like using that as motivation to be like yeah I mean me personally I'm not thinking about other people I'm always kind of thinking about myself and okay I do envision okay this is like the world championship final this is a mentality I need to bring to that final I'm gonna bring it here on the track today I do think of that 
Um, am I thinking about my competitors? Never. Because, again, that's just not something I can control. I don't know what they're doing. I can pretend I do, but I don't. Sure. Um, and maybe that's just, like, some type of cockiness in me to not worry about what they're doing. But I, I just don't. And I think that's a healthier way to go about it. Yeah. Do you think that's been crucial, too, in performing in these clutch moments where, like, you know, the semis and, like, Getting to a final is hard, and so <laughs> yeah. much can go wrong, yeah. and you never know who is going to be lined up on the other right. lanes. Do you think the ability to focus on yourself and just yourself year-round helps with that, where it's like, I'm yes. just running my race, yes. and therefore, like, I don't really care what yes. the rest of the top people are doing? Yes, but I think everyone is different. I do. Th some people need to be worried about their competitors. Some people need to run other people's race. Like, you need to be thinking about what they're going to do and, <laughs> and think about beating them. Um, I think... I've gotten to a point where I can just focus on my own race and just <laughs> run, like do what I need to do and execute what I need to do. But when I was first starting out, like when I was running, you know, before I made the Tokyo Olympic team, it was it was a matter of beating the person in front of me. That's all I was thinking about. I didn't know my race strategy that well. I didn't know what I was capable of, but I just knew I needed to be winning the race. So that was my focus. But now it's like over time shifted to, the 200 is my race. Like, that's mm -hmm. my jam. Um, you're going to have to do something really special to beat me in it. You're going to have to, you know, do like Sharika Jackson and go for a world record type thing. And so if I run my race and I know that I'm doing it well. So, yeah, I'm not thinking about that. But that's also why I have my training partners. Like, I have the environment that I have set up the way it's set up because that's all I need to do. They're, like, these girls have better starts than me. There are girls who can do longer workouts better than me. Like, I have it on every end of the spectrum. So I'm constantly trying to beat them in training. Um, and I mean, they just, they're better than me at a lot of things. <laughs> and so I'm around that constantly. So if I'm at a meet, I'm not going to be spooked or like, oh my God, what do I need to do? Cause I've already practiced with the girls. Talking about this Netflix documentary, what do you think is the effect it'll have on the sport? Were you included at all? Mm -hmm. What was the behind I the think, scenes? I think the Netflix documentary is going to be really good for the sport. I think it's, uh, who doesn't want to know what goes on behind the scenes in track and field? I mean, we just need, like, people to know what's going on. Yeah, they that's why I'm asking these they, questions. Right? They yeah. need to know, like, what meets to watch, how to watch them, like, who's racing. That's all they need to know. And people would love to watch track. It's the most watched sport in the Olympics because people, they know what's going on. Right. So I think the Netflix documentary is going to be huge. Um, yeah, they did feature me in it. So they followed Let's my go. They followed my season. Um, and there were a lot of ups and downs. And they, I mean, there's a lot that people wouldn't expect to see. And so I think that's really helpful. Um, and I'm excited to see what they do with it. And yeah, they've captured a lot of the on the track stuff and the performance and the warm ups and going to meets. And they also saw a lot of the off the track stuff. And they they saw a lot of the arguments and the fights that go on like <laughs> like between meets and whatever. So I think I think it'll be good. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for people to see like what what goes into it. Did they like come down to Austin and like film and stuff? Yeah, they really? came to Austin. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> yeah, I'm so excited for that. I'm yeah. so excited. So did that bring a level of added pressure to you do you feel like um and like mm -hmm. i don't know if there's a season two coming i was watching breakpoint the tennis documentary yeah. which i'm obsessed with and i'm not Love even it. like a tennis guy per se um yeah. and that's why i was like so interested about like the shikari stuff as well because i remember season one like rafael nadal was like sprinting back and forth in like their version of the call room yeah and, like you can see people getting rattled so yeah i think well, it's cool yeah. seeing like the crossover between sports and yeah anyways but in relation to this documentary like season two um the athletes season one had gone live yeah, whereas yeah. like season one no one really knows about it or what's right. being said or it's not released exactly. so what do you think is like that balance too between the differences what 
of like season one versus like a season two where like when season two's out season one's been out so like there's the pressure people know you're being filmed now oh true yeah yeah i mean that was a very long question it was i mean no the the pressure it it wasn't much it wasn't much added pressure i mean you already you're constantly being filmed i mean there's media going around everywhere and in the sport of track there's so much pressure innately that like an extra netflix camera it's not gonna (laughs) add anything more at least that's how i thought about it because it's such a high intensity sport and so much pressure going into it um but yeah i mean i think i think that would just make the sport even better and more intense and what i love about track athletes specifically is that those of us who are at the top thrive under that type of pressure and we, we just thrive under that and just knowing that more eyes are watching or that it's going to be on Netflix or more people are like paying attention to certain small aspects. And we just thrive under it. And I, I love that about the sport. And I love that about the people who are at the top in track and field, too. It just adds so much to it. Going back to New Balance, I have to ask you this. Uh, are you involved at all in the kits you wear, uh, the oh, design yeah. of them? Do you yeah. have a choice between specific ones versus other ones? Yeah. And you're one of the only athletes that wears one of the sleeves, which yeah. I think very drippy. Uh, what is that? I, I think I read something that like it reminds you to like accelerate off the line. Oh yeah. Have you ever thought about double yeah. sleeving it? Uh, what are your thoughts on all that? Yeah, um, yeah. New Balance does let us uh, give insight on the kits, which I really like too. Um, I know when they signed me, so I was their first female sprinter that they had signed, and we had a lot of talks about just even how the kit like fits. Like sprinters are just we're built a little bit differently than like the distance girls. It just a lot of glute muscles going on here, a lot happening. And so we just had a lot of like conversations about how the, even the uniform kit can fit us better, which I really like. And then, yeah, we have design conversations too. And I think New Balance does an amazing job. Um, we always like stand out on the line. I love seeing like New Balance athletes running because the kit just looks amazing. Yeah. Everyone just always, they always looks good. Pop. Yeah, they pop. It just looks so good and so cool. Um, so, yeah, we've had those conversations. Uh, what was the last part of your question? Uh, the sleeve thing. Oh, yeah, the, the sleeve thing. Sleeve. Okay, yeah. I, so I have a cue when I come out of the blocks, and my coach gave it to me. Just you have to, like, punch the air. Like, just punch and go. Um, since it's such an intense start, you just need something to focus on um, to get you going and get your reaction time good because a rea- reaction time can make or break a podium finish. Um, so, yeah, I just keep it on because I'm, like, conscious of the feeling. And so I'm like, all right, something's there. Let's get it up. Do you and ever go. do it in practice, like a specific hard workout? You're like, I need that extra boost. Sleeves oh, coming out. I don't even wear the sleeves during practice. I've never thought to do that. No, I should. Okay. <laughs> I should. Like a, a specific idea. hard workout. No, that's yeah. a good idea. See, it's every, things that give you that edge. Yeah, no, I'm going to try that. This is why we do podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Give Gabby Thomas that edge. Paris, coming up, <laughs> Olympic year. What's the, you know, energy shift from 2023 to uh, 2024? I mean, it's huge. Like we say, everyone's watching Olympic years. They're going to have the Netflix documentary coming out right before then. Um, everyone's watching. It's going to be even bigger than Tokyo, I imagine, just because it's not COVID. People are, you know, back to caring. People will be there. Um, so it's a huge energy shift. Um, and for me, I mean, coming off of the momentum of such a good year, 2023 was my best season. Um, I'm feeling really good about it and I'm like a reach I'm 27 now so I'm, I'm reaching an age where I you know I should be going to my peak I should be performance performing really well uh, so I'm excited to see what I can do and it, I, women's track right now is just really hot it's a really good product I think there are a lot of eyes on it you have really exciting stars like Shakari. Um the Jamaican women are just on fire right now too and yeah I mean I, I'm really really pumped about it it's an exciting time to be a fan. What does it feel yeah. like from an athlete perspective? Like you mentioned, the Jamaican Shakari, yeah. like 
it's kind of a given that all of you guys are going to bring your A game this yeah, year in every race. Yeah. What's it like to feel that energy and be a part of that energy, be leading that? I'm mean, Being a part of it, a lot of mixed feelings. Um, one is like I know what it's going to require of me. So that means today, like right now in January, working really hard because what we do right now is actually going to determine the medal. People are always going to be watching in August and seeing us compete. But really, it's what we're doing now that it's going to determine who's like on that medal stand. So... So just understanding that, um, getting mentally and emotionally ready for it too. Uh, we talk a lot about like being physically prepared and training and all of that, but it's just a really emotional period and it takes a lot of like mental resilience, mental strength, mental balance to even get to that point as well. So preparing yourself for that. And for me, just really like enjoying this ride and enjoying this journey. Like I'm, I'm so excited. It's going to be it's definitely going to be a historic Olympics um, and being a part of that and being a part of something so special, um, something so empowering. It's amazing. And I'm, I'm happy to be in the company of, of women like that. I mean, this is what I've always dreamed of. And I'm just happy to be like using my time and spending my energy on something so impactful. Um, so I'm, I'm ready for it and I'm really excited and I, I can't wait to see where this year takes me. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of the podcast. I don't take your time for granted, so I hope that it brought you some wisdom and value that you can apply directly into your running and into your life. If you have not already done so, please consider giving us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And then something all of you guys can do is share today's episode or the podcast in general with a friend or someone who you think will benefit from it. One more note, if you're not already following us on Instagram, consider doing so. My Instagram tag is at the running effect. I hope you're running and life is going well. I appreciate you taking time out of your busy life to listen to today's episode. I will catch you in two days when the next episode drops. Until then, happy running.